This is The Feed with Amber Mack and Michael B. on Canada Talks, Sirius XM 167. Hello and welcome to The Feed with Amber Mack. And Michael B. for everything new now and next. We have you covered for what's happening in the world of tech and what's trending online. On the show, Amazon gets feisty on Twitter and it's not an April Fool's Day joke. Plus, we tell you why Spotify is borrowing some ideas from the popular Clubhouse app. Also on the show, YouTube finally thinks twice about the thumbs down button. And we show off the latest in baby apps for new moms and dads. That's all coming up right here on the feed with Amber Mack and Michael B. Trending off. Amber, another week, a lot of news. And um, you are currently uh, this week, if uh, people want to check it out on social, you've been doing a lot of content in regards to the West of Canada and their investing and startup space. Yeah, so we have been, um, I've been kind of co-hosting and co-producing a two-day event called NACO, which is all about angel investment uh, in the Western region, although many of the topics apply to uh, everyone across the country. But it's been really fascinating. And I have done this event before with this group, and uh, I've actually learned a lot about uh, not just producing virtual events, but speaking at them. And if anyone's interested over my blog at ambermack.com, I would have wrote a blog post about five things that I've learned from virtual events, kind of a do's and don'ts. And uh, it's fascinating. There's some really good and interesting things about virtual events. But most importantly, Michael, as you know, really virtual events in the virtual world are just like TV. <laughs> and this just boggles my mind that people have not made that connection yet and it's just it's it's unbelievable so that that is my question for everybody listening yes you can go over to your blog and check out the five but what is the number one most important that you would say if you had to pick one just for those people listening just to give them a little taste i honestly think it's uh about engagement. So the difference between TV and a virtual event is that you do have this sort of second screen experience, uh, or I should say second stream. And the idea is that within the chat room, you need to acknowledge the people who are in there having conversations, make them feel as though they're part of it. So I really enjoy that. And uh, that's the piece of it. A lot of people forget. They think, okay, well, you know what? We're not going to have chat or we're going to turn it off. But but that's really- Don't the- ignore the people that are watching. Exactly. And also they want to participate and be part of it. And that's that's what what you can do in this environment that you couldn't do even in person. So I think it's one of those things you really need to keep intact. Well, it's a it's a it's a great uh, thing to think about. And I think that's with any any anything you're doing when you're communicating, always think of who you're engaging with. So let's get right to it. What are people talking about? Speaking okay, of engagement. <laughs> yeah, you know, I before you put this into the rundown, I saw this happening and I, I didn't know if their account had been hacked or what was going on. Um, Amazon has become quite combative on Twitter. And uh, what I'm talking about is uh, essentially how they are uh, picking fights uh, with people such as Senator Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren. Warren and um, they, they were really, really feisty in many of their tweets. And... Uh, it's kind of and uncar- it's an official account. It's not like it's like an executive's account. We're we're talking about the official Amazon News account, right? 
Yeah. So it's the Amazon News account. And, you know, as a one response, someone had been very critical of them in terms of uh, how they treat workers and mentioning the story that came out a while ago where allegedly workers had to pee in bottles because they didn't have breaks. And this is what Amazon News wrote back. You don't really believe the peeing in bottles thing, do you? If that were true, nobody would work for us. The truth is that we have over a million incredible employees around the world who are proud of what they do and have great wages and health care from day one. And then another tweet. This is extraordinary and revealing. One of the most powerful politicians in the United States just said she's going to break up an American company so they can't criticize her anymore. I mean, this doesn't sound like a major corporation. Well, this is the thing. So I think that this was a huge misstep on Amazon's part because usually they are very disciplined because they're always under criticism. They're a huge company. They're a huge corporation globally. It's like, we get it. So it's like, I think that they could have actually won against um, Elizabeth Warren and uh, Bernie Sanders if they were a lot smarter in their approach because you know these these guys go on and on about the middle class and how and and how they're um, it's unfair this and that uh, Amazon relies and has a huge vested interest in the success of the middle class and, and Amazon is one of the few com- companies in the world that did raise the minimum wage in America to $15 so if they had approached it in a positive communication way and answered some of the things that they were saying, I think that that would have been uh, far better. It does seem like somebody super rich got really cranky and was like, um, let's fight back. And nobody was like, hey, boss, I don't think that's a good idea. That's what it seemed like. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we only have a couple of minutes left, so let's just run down the last two headlines. Uh, Spotify is uh, acquiring a clubhouse competitor called Betty Labs as uh, live audio popularity continues to grow If you don't know what Clubhouse is, we've talked about it on the show. It is live audio conversations that you can schedule. It's iOS only and invite uh, only community at this point. But a lot of people are sort of copying this format in terms of live video or sorry, live audio. And uh, this is just one other example of how it is coming to Spotify in the near future. Yeah, so this is obviously the goal on this is for professional athletes, writers, musicians, songwriters, podcasters, all of those guys to be able to host real-time discussions, debates. To, to me, I, I just, I mean, I've I've said this before. I don't really understand or see why or how this is valuable long-term. I mean, this is just, we've had video calling and group calling forever. Um, there doesn't seem to be much um, focus. It just seems like a free-for-all for people to just talk about random stuff. I, I would like to see a little bit more formatting and a little bit more um, uh, two-way street from an interaction perspective. Uh, otherwise, it's just like a ton of people just talking about stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Well, you know, this is another headline that we'll wrap up with, and this is all about YouTube. And I think this is a really good thing. Apparently, YouTube, according to Engadget, is considering um, actually hiding the thumbs down button um, or the dislike button. For all those kids that just need a participation certificate so they don't feel bad. Yeah, sorry, I shouldn't say they're hiding the button. They're they're hiding the <laughs> the count, the number of people who have disliked it. Uh, if you're part of this experiment, you may spot this. So there's no count on the thumbs down button. I think I said this years ago. I, I don't even know why they have a thumbs down button when kids are so fragile these days as adults are in terms of just getting harassed. Why just get rid of it? Like you know, either thumbs up or or, or don't say anything at all because it's just it's very negative, and that's the last thing we need. Well, I, I do, but it's, I, I guess, but it's also like, if you're not making good content, how do you get feedback? My, my, that's my only point. Otherwise people are just putting stuff out. I, 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 
I understand when people jump on and bots and people like do things in a negative way that's strategic, but at the same time, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm on the fence with this one. I don't see the big deal if it's disliked. It's just not everyone's going to like what you do. I get what you're saying is like, well, then just don't mention anything. So if you have no dislikes and you only have two or three likes, obviously your video is not that great from an engagement perspective. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's interesting, but um, I, you know, I don't know if anyone thinks critically about the thumbs down. I don't know how good of uh, a feedback that actually is. If you're going to do something, maybe write a comment. That's fair. Maybe they need to look at how they better uh, integrate feedback. Uh, well, we've got a whole lot more on the show. Stay with us when we return. How your smart home could be even smarter with radar. The feed with Amber Mack and Michael B. For everything new, now and next on Canada Talks, Sirius XM 167. Tech Star. You're listening to The Feed with Amber Mack and Michael B. Businesses often use infrared sensors to shut off the air or lights if you've left the room, but they often rely on big movements to activate them. Well, a new sensor from Xandar Cardian is using radar-based technology to make a smart home or office space even smarter with more accuracy when it comes to monitoring. Xander Cardian CEO and co-founder Sam Yang is joining us now. Hello, Sam. Hi, nice to be here. Okay, so we talk a lot on the show about smart technology in the home, but uh, not often radar-based technology. So maybe we can start there. How exactly does this work? Yeah, actually, we've been doing radar uh, sensor technology for about 10 years now. Uh, Radar, in the most simplest form of explanation, is that it sends out very low power uh, radio frequencies that's very harmless to the body, uh, about 50 million times per second. So what it does is it bounces back and grabs anything that changes. So such as, as, uh, you know, as we move, And as we breathe, um, our chest moves up and down. Inside the body, our heart is pumping blood. So any kind of micro vibration, the radar is able to pick up and uh, decide what to do with it. And so why is this technology specifically uh, better in certain circumstances like in smart buildings and smart homes? And can you give us some specific examples of applications for using this technology? Oh, yeah, of course. Um, when you use, uh, I, I think everyone is, I guess, accustomed to PIR motion sensors. So one of the most um, obvious uh, feature with that is that it, when you're sitting down and you're not making large motion for about you know, X many minutes, the lights could go off. And I think we all have experience, you know, waving our arms around, trying to trigger the lights to come back on. Um, we, with radar technology, don't have that issue. Because again, we're detecting presence through your vital sign. So when you use this for, let's say, office space, um, we would be able to automatically turn on, off the lights and control the HVAC accordingly at, in real time. So it's all about energy saving uh, as well as real occupancy information. Uh, for hotels, uh, for homes, uh, for hospitals, I mean, there's, the applications are endless. So one of the things that I'm curious about is that having heard of this technology uh, in office buildings, I'm curious about the cost when you think about the average consumer bringing it into the home. Have you been able to uh, achieve pricing that is reasonable for a family that is looking for a sustainable future and, and managing their energy better? Of course, everything is all, all about return on investment. So it, that includes consumers as well. 
So when you're looking at uh, your energy bill, it has to make sense that within about 18 months or less, um, it has to you know, basically pay for it by itself uh, from the benefits. So we are, uh, we have won uh, several innovation awards, including uh, three CS innovation awards in 2021, but we have uh, not yet launched it in the market uh, because we're working on exactly that, making it more affordable for regular uh, residential customers. I know when people hear the word monitoring, they get a little bit freaked out and concerned when it comes to privacy. So how does this type of technology work or be an alternative to other technologies on the market um, in regards to being um, a little bit more safer or not capturing the same types of things that other technologies on the the market do? Yeah, so... See, one of the misconceptions that we always get is when we do detection by your vital sign, we're not monitoring your vital sign. We're just monitoring a vital sign. Um, Having said that, we're not tracking anyone. We can't track anyone. So in terms of privacy concerns and being monitored, there's absolutely no no impact uh, because, again, we we can't decide whose vital sign this belongs to. And again, we can't uh, identify you. So if we think about um, the savings piece of it, and sorry, I keep coming back to the financial mm-hmm. side, but we know, like you said, when there are benefits to the end consumer and uh, there are cost saving, savings, it's going to make sense. I think about uh, smart thermostats in the home as one example. When we talked about how much money could be saved, people really get invested. So what are we talking about financially in terms of the savings using radar technology like this in the home? In a home setting, it's actually much larger than enterprise settings or industrial settings because we are not always in our home. If you look at it from a 24-hour period, you know, we go out, uh, we're working out and and uh, weekends, we're also traveling. Well, I guess a little less during COVID-19. But uh, so every time you leave, uh, the system automatically controls your air conditioning, your heating and your lights. So to answer your question, the, the savings are approximately about 35 to 60%, depending on how active you are within the house. That's quite a lot of savings. And um, you mentioned COVID-19. So I guess my question is, how could something like this be used or deployed for combating um, uh, people's return to the office in a safe way or, or helping them return to um, their offices in a safe way you know, after COVID-19 and they've got their, um, the, you know, they've, they've got their shots and they're, they're safe to go back into the office? How could this be used? Actually, last year when the the pandemic was going around, we were getting um, deployed into a lot of buildings and a huge chunk of the deployments we did were in Canada, uh, shopping malls as well as Class A office buildings. Now, at that time, we were doing a little bit more of a passive uh, warning approach, so density control. So if there's too many people in, let's say, a public bathroom, there's going to be an LED lamp or display outside telling them to hold off and wait until more people leave that space. Um, this year, we're actively working with a very large uh, UVC lamp uh, manufacturer to automatically control, turn on the UVC based on 99.99% vacancy and turn on and disinfect the air and the surfaces using our sensor as the driver for it. So uh, we're now taking more of an active approach of disinfecting and 
basically fighting against uh, COVID-19 and future uh, potential uh, uh, infections and viruses. Well, it it sounds uh, very cool and uh, very innovative. For people who are interested in reading more on your company and how exactly it works and and how you're really pioneering this radar-based technology, where's the best place for them to go? Our website, um, uh, www.xkcorp.com. So that's XK as in Xander Cardian, C-O-R-P.com. Well, listen, we so appreciate you taking the time and thank you for joining us on the feed. All right. Thank you for having me. Up next, the very best in baby apps for new parents. The feed with Amber Mack and Michael B. For everything new, now and next on Canada Talks, Sirius XM 167. app Welcome back to the feed with Amber Mack and Michael B. It's time now to take a look at some new and trending apps. And uh, clearly, uh, Michael has gone down the rabbit hole of baby apps. I have, and I don't know what happened. It's amazing. So what's cool about these apps, and I think we see this across the board when it comes to the app ecosystem, is that uh, there's a lot of expertise that goes into these apps in terms of research. And it looks like uh, this is a great example of this. The first one is an app called Baby Sparks. And uh, essentially, it offers uh, thousands of activities and milestones for children zero to three. Michael, you know, I was just thinking as I was going through these apps, how important this is, especially during a time where you know, new parents may not be taking their baby to the doctor as much. Um, and I'm not saying that that's a good thing. If your your kid is sick, take them to the doctor. But, you know, it, it, a lot of the stuff is going to be done at home, you know, in terms of just managing their weight uh, and all of those different milestones. So I like this idea that uh, there is an app like this, that they call it a development expert in your pocket. Yeah, and this was just fascinating to me because obviously you and I have been talking and I always keep saying I want to uh, become a dad. And so I've been doing a lot of research in regards to um, what that entails. And that was, as you said, I went down this rabbit hole. What I didn't know, and this app was just fascinating to me, it's, um, and I'm sure, you know, people do know this. I, I had no idea, but uh, if a child's brain creates more than 1 million new neural connections every second, And so it's so important that development um, in those early years. And so that's what this app does. It brings um, daily activities that support the different critical areas of a child's development, whether it's um, um, uh, cognition, language, uh, fine motor skills, social, emotional, sensory, and self-care, and all of these things. And it it gives it in a a really easy to understand instructional video way. You can uh, touch base with experts. that know what they're they're talking about and it's got some science behind it um and then it's also then able to adapt each of the activities um that they're suggesting to your child's individual needs which i thought was really interesting as well and we should be clear this is not an app for babies to go and uh just zone out on the screen <laughs> so, yeah because that's a very good point not it's, good it's not this. <laughs> uh, so it is about development and activities you can do with your child so you can imagine watching actually that's videos. a great point sorry like you just said it's it's w- you with your child so you're also spending quality time in doing these activities as well 
Exactly. And I think that's really key to remember that. So it's really kind of giving you guidance based on expert advice as far as the activities that you could do to help with development. But, you know, all of the um, parent associations and and doctors, pediatricians would, of course, not recommend screen time for uh, zero to three year olds. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. So this is for parents to get some ideas on how to uh, interact and work with their uh, and, and, and spend time with their um, their their babies. Now, this next app, um, this one is called um, Huckleberry, and and it's a baby. It, it it's a baby sleep pumping, feeding, diaper change, and growth tracker all in one. Now, these are all again, as I'm learning, very important things to keep track of and ensure that your you know they happen um, at the same time, roughly the same time of day every day. So uh, again, very helpful for tracking all of these important things that you need to do to look after um, your child as well. Yeah. And I think this goes back to the conversation that we've had in terms of these apps getting a lot more um, uh, intensive in terms of the research that they're based on, but also the data that they're able to manage. And I think that makes it very exciting. So the idea is, you know, if you want to manage your uh, child's uh, sleep, you know, this is one way you could get a personalized sleep plan. And, you know, some people may think, okay, well, this is a subscription service, so it can cost like $15 a month if you did want something like that. And they may think, oh, that's expensive for an app. It's not really an app, Michael. And I think it's important to remember that although it comes in the app form, it's critical that people understand that the development that's gone into this, uh, you really are buying almost like software programs within these, these downloads for your mobile devices. And access to experts, just like going to a doctor's office or a parent group or whatever it might be that is your usual support network in person, this is just making it um, a lot easier and more accessible because there are a lot of people out there, parents as um, that are single parents or parents uh, that are both working or that they're just the time. It's like to be able to have the time and access this kind of useful information to help you know, um, parents with them and, and get the information. I think it's really important. Um, and so there's a lot of, um, experts, um, on this specific app, uh, guidance from pediatric um, sleep experts. And I know a, a friend of mine is having a bit of trouble um, with her one-year-old um, and starting to move and, and change their sleeping patterns. And so obviously that then affects the parents and the parents are working and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's quite uh, intense. And so this is actually how I stumbled upon this app specifically. Um, so I just thought it was really interesting um, that their approach to it, they've got daily charts and stats and summaries to monitor um, all of the different habits of your baby and then to try and work out how to modify it or how best to modify it over time. Um, So I just thought this was a really helpful and easy to understand app uh, for tracking all of that important information. The dipole part I didn't really um, like because obviously, I mean, they poop, you clean it up and move on. I don't really want to tr- track. It's kind of, it's like dogs and then anything to do with poop. I just, anything clean, I'm just, just do it, move on. It's like, hopefully they do it every day. And don't, that, don't have any record that it even happened. You're just uh, yeah. ready to Yeah, move just on. pretend it never, like clean go, never happened. Oh my gosh. I have to tell you that, and we're about to talk about uh, a sleep app, but uh, the best advice I, I got uh, when we had our son was from someone who said to me that uh, the best uh, sleep scenario in the house is the scenario where the most amount of people get the most amount of sleep. And what they meant by that was that if it means you're all in one bed or if it means your baby's in a bassinet or your kid's in a a crib in the other room, whatever it is where people are getting maximum amount of sleep, that is so important to follow versus, you know, um, trying to do something that isn't 
possible for your entire family. So I really loved that advice. Uh, now, speaking of sleep, this is cool. This is an app that uh, is an Android app that's called the White Noise Baby Sleep Sounds. And I can attest to the fact that our son would only fall asleep when we were running the water. That's not sustainable. So, <laughs> <laughs> Although you can get those. Um, uh, if I had known, I would have bought. Um, uh, th- speaking of that, there's a it's like a little water fountain. Um, so it's recycling the water. So it's a little one you stick by your bed. And I learned this again, because my friend's baby, same thing. And she's like, I can't leave the tap running. It's just not going to work. Um, so it is very interesting what puts people to sleep and, and what soothes them to get them ready. This isn't just an app for babies though, by the way, which I thought was, um, interesting. This is great for people that do find it, uh, you know, adults, who find it difficult to fall asleep. I, I have to fall asleep uh, with um, white noise. I actually, even during, um, this is probably uh, during uh, winter, I actually have the fan noise on as low as possible just so I still hear that in the background and it helps me sleep. But this has 36 white noise sounds. It also has lullabies. Um, the thing I do like the best is it's got a timer that softly fades out. It's supposed to just abruptly a stopping because I don't know if anyone else tries this kind of stuff to fall asleep. When things do turn off abruptly, it can sometimes wake you up and, and jolt you and kind of you're back to square one. So I like that it gently fades out as well. You're making me so tired right now, Michael. So <laughs> go sleepy. to sleep. No, you can't. You have a big day. So it's like, no, don't go to sleep. The that's opposite. True, that's true. I got I to gotta wake up. Uh, very cool. Well, what an awesome list of apps uh, for new parents. Yeah, so Baby Sparks, uh, Huckleberry, and Noise Baby Sleep Sound. Sorry, White Noise Baby Sleep Sounds. Of course, if you've got an app, gadget, or product you think we should check out, tweet us at Amber Mac and at AmbanCraft80 and use the hashtag to feed. Coming up, how some fancy new tech can help you sleep even better. We're sticking with the sleep theme. The feed with Amber Mack and Michael B. For everything new, now, and next on Canada Talks, Sirius XM 167. Wish list. You're listening to The Feed with Amber Mack and Michael B. Now, it can be very hard to regularly get a good night's sleep, but thankfully, there are a lot of advancements being made in the sleep technology space to help you achieve that perfect rest. Now, the technology behind Bright enables better sleep patterns by adjusting its AI-powered mattresses through monitoring temperature, pressure points, and room environment. Ely Cern is the co-founder and CEO of the company and is joining us now to discuss restorative sleep. It is so important. This is fascinating. Um, I guess let's start with the technology itself. What is built into the mattress and why is it important? Hi, uh, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Uh, well, the product we have is pretty special. It basically helps monitor how you're sleeping. And what it does, it actually learns how you're sleeping in real time and then makes adjustments in your bed, actually, with temperature and pressure points across your body and room environment and optimizes your personal restorative sleep to its fullest potential in real time. So it's very exciting um, what we're building and we're seeing some pretty amazing results. 
I would love to talk a little bit more about um, the technology within the the mattress and, and all of those details, because I know people have probably used everything from apps that will try to figure out how much you're moving at night uh, to <laughs> noise machines and, you know, some of the uh, yeah. more simplistic tech. Can you just give us a, a, a better view of the tech uh, and how advanced it actually is? Yeah, sure. Um, well, well, we do, we do something pretty special and comprehensive compared to other uh, tech out there. There are some apps that try to track what you're doing out there. There's some like pretty basic adjustable uh, beds out there. Maybe you can adjust your height of the bed or maybe adjust your firmness. Uh, but what we've done is we've integrated um, really fine grain adjustability and temperature and also really fine grain adjustability and pressure points. We've got like a hundred different, we call dynamic coils that detect pressure points across your body and can be adjusted in real time with software and pneumatics. Um, and we tied all that really cool adjustability with software and an AI engine. And the AI behind the technology literally senses how you're sleeping, like you could be in sleep, deep sleep or REM sleep or awake. And in real time figures out, okay, what's working for you? And it makes those adjustments for you. Because, you know, when you're asleep, you're unconscious, first of all. So you won't be able to adjust anything when you're asleep. And also, you know, none of us are sleep scientists or data scientists. So, you know, it's not like we can figure out what's going on. And what the technology really does is integrate all that adjustability that sleep science and that artificial intelligence just to really seamlessly make it happen for you. You know, we're just, you, all you have to do is just sleep and the technology <laughs> takes care of it for you. Now, this is quite interesting. You're not only um, selling to a consumer so you can buy this and put it in, in your home. You're also partnering with hotels and, and making this technology available for when you're away from home. And I think people take that for granted too. And I, I don't know um, if you get the same feedback, but I always judge hotels by their beds um, and will go to particular hotels just because I know how comfortable the the beds are and, and what kind of sleep I'm going to get. Yeah, Michael, you nailed it on the head. I mean, we really found this incredible opportunity and uptake in the hotel space. Now, of course, COVID's impacted people's travel a little bit, but you know, people are starting to go back. And what we found is that um, it's incredibly exciting for uh, consumers and guests to be able to actually have their personal sleep travel with them wherever they go. Because um, the bright bed actually understands you. And then wherever the bright bed is, you can just log in, whether it's at your home or at the Auberge property or at Fairmont. Uh, you go to the property, you go to your guest room, you log in, and your personal sleep and your personal bed just shows up right there. Um, you know, in, in hotels, everything's around, you know, uh, personalization, customization. Uh, they, they customize the drinks you have or the soaps you want to use. But when it comes to sleep, you know, there's just a standard mattress out there right now. And it's very hard to give a customized, personalized experience. But our digital platform, you know, allows you to get that. 
one last question for you. And I don't know if you know the answer of this because I'm kind of putting you on the spot, but uh, what has <laughs> happened during the pandemic to people's sleep? Uh, do you have any data on that or understanding of what this year has done as far as how people are getting a, a, a restful night? You know, um, so I'm not myself a sleep scientist or a sleep expert, but I've been very fortunate to be able to work with some of the world's most renowned ones. Our, our leading sleep scientist is Dr. Matthew Walker, who works very closely with us. He's the um, best-selling author of the book, Why We Sleep. Um, and um, what he's told me is, is that there's, of course, a greater uh, increase in anxiety and um, and that has certainly caused some people to get more disrupt disruptive sleep. Um, but also, there's been a greater awareness at the same time of everyone's health and immunity and wellness, and people being at home. And so, in some cases, we've seen more of a a focus or an attention on sleep, which has been an uprise in kind of people's uh, awareness of how they want to sleep and how to improve their health. So that's been on the positive side, but on the negative side, certainly there's been many folks who are really a lot more anxious. The world's going to come to a crazy place and that's, you know, been a detriment for some folks. Absolutely. Well, listen, we so appreciate you joining us and uh, talking about your technology. Uh, thanks for being on the feed and hopefully we'll get a chance to try it out one day soon. Amber, Michael, thanks so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Up next, how 3D store shopping is the next big thing in retail. The Feed with Amber Mack and Michael B. For everything new, now, and next on Canada Talks, Sirius XM 167. In the Spotlight. You're listening to The Feed with Amber Mack and Michael B. We've discussed it a lot on the show over the past 12 months, how the pandemic has forced the acceleration of digital transformation across industries. It's really hard to replace that in-person consumer experience for a lot of big brands, but Beyond XR has had a lot of success in helping the likes of Target and L'Oreal and Mitsubishi to create 3D virtual stores that give customers a more engaging online shopping experience. Aaron Galil is the co-founder and CEO of the company, and and it joins us now. Uh, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me, Amber. Okay, so for people who are not familiar with this idea of uh, immersive experiences and talking about 3D virtual stores, let's start there. What is this and what can this be like? So the idea is um, to try to recreate as much as possible with the, in, within the limitations of the digital medium um, of the physical experience, meaning to have more of a 3D sense to it, to recreate uh, something which is visually much more stunning, looks in 3D, you can look around at the product that will look from various angle, and you can actually walk around the store and get more sense of both how is the environment where you're reading, which sometimes the environment is very, very crucial, and sometimes also the additional information, not just the product, not just the, the, the product itself, but all the accompanying uh, marketing materials, um, feel to it, uh, and sometimes even some, even some gamification features or features that help you get better connected to the actual uh, experience. So what are some of the different expectations from consumers when they're in-store in person as opposed to and compared to being online in a virtual store? 
I think the first expectation is to have an experience, and you've seen a lot of research done on that the the new you know the Gen Z and the millennials wanting to have experience and not just buy. And having experience can translate to a lot of different things. One, enjoy, engage, interact, press clicks, not just clicks for seeing the product, but for example, ask, uh, be challenged, like a gamification of having some challenges in quizzes, in games, in solving something, earning, like earning a coupon instead of just getting a coupon code for buying, uh, walking around the store, discovering things, discovering hidden corners of the store, uh, of the of the virtual store, and not just, okay, that's the product. So the more you, you do that, we've seen that you, you mo- get them more connected to the actual experience itself and the brand, which is the most important thing. I wanted to talk about uh, a couple of examples in terms of just walking people through how this can work. Uh, I mentioned in the intro, Target, L'Oreal, Mitsubishi. Do you want to pick one of those and just walk us through what that experience uh, is like, just so people can wrap their heads around this new way of uh, browsing a store? Yeah, sure. Um, I'll take uh, L'Oreal Lancome. Lancome is one of the biggest brands in L'Oreal. And it's a good example because there they actually had before the corona they actually had plans of launching physical pop-ups but when the corona started they um they 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 halted all those plans and they moved to virtual and started to launch with our help uh, virtual pop-ups around the world now every pop-up is a bit different and a bit localized to the local culture and and attributes. So, for example, in Korea, you put a little more gaming into it. And, and in Japan, you put more quizzes to it. And in every country, it's localized, of course, for the uh, for the local language. You put highlight the products. There, the product, the whole concept of the product was genific. So you had one pop-up built virtually for, for a product or a set of family of products. This is something that's in um, usually in, in physical world, it's much more uh, expensive to do and more costly to, to build a store for a certain amount of time only for one product. But in the virtual world, you can really, really go wild with that. Uh, and, and in every experience have something a bit different, a bit more tailored to that market. Do you think that we're going to see more and more augmented reality and 3D technology uh, uh, online stores be developed and consumers move more towards this way of shopping as opposed to going back to the in-store? Just because it seems like this new this this wave of online shopping in this way, it's in it's in real time and it and it seems like it could be a lot cheaper and a lot more efficient for companies and brands to operate this way. Yeah, so I think that's what uh, the corona did. It's um, uh, it it pushed it to that direction, um, but it's not that when we're going to to return to to the malls and and to flying that it's gonna it's gonna end. It's a one way push. It's here to stay. I am a real firm believer that those experiences will help to augment the reality, the real uh, physical shopping, and also the, let's call it the catalog shopping, okay? The Amazon, with all due respect to Amazon and those kind of um, 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 providers, it's more of a catalog shopping, very effective, 
but people will keep to want to want more and more of the experience and to engage and I felt to mention that it's connected a lot of time with celebrities or with live with live streaming uh, with uh, shows with some some kind of a campaign sometimes and sometimes not and but this thing helps to get people more uh, to to the to experience the shopping like like experiencing the experience of physical shopping in the malls it's a different kind of experience but it's also something which is very important to 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 mankind as as we see it Absolutely, especially right now during such a difficult time where we can't be face-to-face. For people who are interested in hearing more about 3D virtual stores and more immersive experiences when it comes to retail, where is the best place for them to go to understand more of the work that you've done? Uh, so for, first, a, a good place to start, of course, is our website. And then we can provide, uh, upon contact, is uh, we can provide more information. We have a lot of videos and and uh, and success stories and all those use cases that we can show. Uh, this is uh, in our website www.beyondxr.com. I would also also like to to state that besides just consumer experience, one of the areas uh, which has also done gone through a huge huge change is the business to business, all the wholesaling, which before the corona was in many areas was very very physical and there was a there is an industry around buyers flying out to showrooms around the world to see the uh the you know the next collection the next thing they need to buy and there's you that's that was a huge huge market sometimes in the cases is even bigger than the the retail industry uh so that is also undergoing through a, a huge huge shift of um changing to virtual showrooms uh for a new way of buying, which will also, it will not replace, but it will augment the regular buying. Well, listen, uh, we so appreciate you taking the time and thanks for sharing with us uh, all that you're working on and uh, joining us on the feed. Thank you very much for having me. Up next, would you be surprised if we told you that just 12 people are behind the most anti-vaccination information online? Stay with us. We're going to discuss it on the other side of the break. The Feed with Amber Mack and Michael B. For everything new, now and next on Canada Talks, Sirius XM 167. Socially Speaking. It's time now for Socially Speaking, and uh, this week we are going to talk about a subject that we have often covered on the show, and it's all about misinformation and disinformation. And if you spend any time on social media, you know that this is a growing problem, and it seems to be getting worse, uh, especially when it's amplified by algorithms. So there are many layers of complexity, and it can be very damaging. But what is really interesting, Michael, is this article on Mashable, and I saw this in a few places is that 12 people are behind most of the anti-vaxxer disinformation that you see on social media. So it's a report that was done by the Center for Countering Digital Hate and the Anti-Vax Watch Group. And they found that up to 65% of anti-vaccine content on Facebook and Twitter originated from 12 influencers, I'm going to put that in quotes, within the anti-vaxxer movement. So even though it feels like there's a lot of people falling prey to this misinformation, disinformation, it's important to remember that it's just a loud crowd. Yeah, it really is. And I guess um, I just don't fully understand the motivations behind spreading 
um, in this case, anti-vaccine uh, information. Um, because, and I, and I think it just goes back to, and I know in this instance we're talking about medicine, um, but in general, I just, there, there are things that are fact and there are things that are not facts. And so, you know, medicines can help prevent um, and or cure people. So vaccines are obviously important. We've been doing the, we people have been having, taking vaccines for years. I think I've said this on the show before. One time I went to Africa, I had to get yellow fever um, vaccine. I then had to show the document as I entered into the country, otherwise they wouldn't let me in the country, you know, and it then keeps people safe and you don't spread the disease. So I guess I just don't understand the point behind spreading this type of information. And then if we have been able to identify it is about a dozen people, um, uh, what should happen there? Because obviously fact-based, it can cause people to die on a large scale globally. So I wonder, and I've read a few articles about this that have suggested, well, should people like this be, um, you know, are, should they be up for criminal charges? Um, and, and that is an interesting perspective. You, there is an accountability. There, there needs to be some kind of accountability because we're talking about people's lives. Well, absolutely. And it's interesting when you talk about the motivation and what is the motivation. And uh, listen, I don't really know, but I will just say that there's a number of people who uh, I have seen post on social media. Maybe they're part of this. I'm going to call them the dirty dozen. And uh, they seem to enjoy the fame and uh, the sort of celebrity that comes with it. Right. They they're considered rock stars in the communities that they're bringing along with them. And I, I just mentioned that because uh, there's there's an individual who is on Instagram, as one example, who is constantly uh, spreading misinformation about wearing masks and the vaccine. And, uh, you know, listen, if you want to share stuff that is scientifically proven, that's one thing. If you're just going out there and kind of spewing all this nonsense and it could pe- put people in harm's way, which is exactly what you're saying, that's a problem. But guess what? His content is being amplified over and over again. The algorithm doesn't know that he's part of the dirty dozen. It just says that, hey, a lot of people are liking this and we're going to continue to push it. So, he's even verified on Instagram, Michael, to go one step It's interesting that you say that. So again, it almost sounds, again, we go back to that other discussion we've always had of how are social media platforms being regulated? And obviously they can't be everywhere all at once and working out, but at least in regards to COVID-19 and the pandemic, they could do better and improve algorithms and checks for specific information about vaccines um, and the pros and cons for it and be far more diligent when it comes to monitoring uh, and moderating that. So it sounds like there is a huge um, uh, social media uh, companies, there's a huge responsibility there, I think, first and foremost, especially if they're verified and they have large followings and they're getting a lot of um, traction. I guess, do they benefit in some way from a monetary perspective um, by spreading falsehoods? Like, can it be lucrative? Because again, like, I just don't understand. uh, I understand what you're saying about from the fame perspective, but I just don't understand why people would want to do that if they know the ramifications. 
Well, it's a good question. I mean, I think some of the people who are spreading misinformation, disinformation, uh, the Alex Jones, Joneses of the world, I mean, they've started online stores where they sell everything from supplements to T-shirts. And so they're diving into the the commerce space. So I do think, you know, at some point it probably is lucrative, um, you know, and at some point, again, it's about uh, the notoriety of it all. And, and I'm not trying to take away from the people who are trying to share actual good information and say, hey, you should be careful about what you do. I'm talking about the people who are blatantly trying to potentially put people in harm's way. And, and knowingly doing so. And um, and that's the part to me that seems much more frightening. And, and I feel a lot of people, unfortunately, are listening to these groups and thinking, okay, well, this guy's verified and, and he's getting hundreds of thousands of views, so it must be legitimate, right? Uh, because yeah. I'm looking at my local news account on social media and they have 100 views. So who am I going to listen to? So the, the social media platforms almost put them into a position where they allow them to appear legitimate because of the mere traffic and 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 uh attention that they're getting and so it then gives them that ability to exploit perceived issues or u-turns in scientific knowledge that's what it sounds like because you're absolutely right there are some concerns um, of real information people do need to take into consideration in regards to the vaccines and we've seen that and you just have to be very careful so looking at which vaccines and and the study and the studies coming out because obviously it's a new vaccine and we need time and data so things will evolve and then they will make corrections where needed for each of the different vaccines that are out on the market and so that is important. And, you know, there's some concerns in regards to, I think it's blood clotting for a certain age bracket here in Canada. I think they, AstraZeneca, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, um, uh, they've suggested or they're looking at not um, allowing that vaccine to go for people under 55, for example. And that might change after they get more information or whatever happens. But that's that's important information that you need to be able to separate from all of this other stuff that's almost like these people are just spreading this information and as you said just to sell merchandising doubts like uh merchandising you know about the doubt that's just crazy to me well, yeah, and, and I think it speaks to a, a generation of people who are interested in fame and, and they're willing to put people potentially uh, in the line of fire, so to speak, to to get there. And, and that's the saddest part of it all is just it's it's totally unnecessary and it's it's going to hurt people. There's going to be a lot of people who aren't comfortable with vaccinations or masks uh, and, and won't wear them or won't get the shots because of these people who have such huge influence in their lives lives. So I don't know. I, I think it's um, it's troubling. And I think that, you know, unlike the conversations we were having last year about people who were spreading hate, which is horrible as well. Now we've moved into this area where this is potentially putting people's actual lives and health in danger. And that's what frightens me. And I think all of us so much. Uh, but of course, let us know what you think. This is no small topic. You can find us on social media at Amber Mac and at Bancroft 80 And of course, please use the hashtag the feed. This is The Feed with Amber Mack and Michael B. on Sirius XM Canada Talks, Channel 167.